there. Welcome to the VO Lounge. I'm Keith Farley, looking out my studio window on a blustery, rainy afternoon. Seems like it's been that way all year, and it looks like there's no end in sight. So allow me to invite you to grill up a cheese sandwich, dip it in a bowl of tomato soup, and join me for the next hour or so. We've got stories, songs, and conversations all intuitively designed to help you groove with the rhythms of the seasons. Today's show is all about dreaming up where you want to go this year. Ruby Farley will be along in a little bit with a story that'll make you feel like you're in a dream. John Ballinger and Double Batch Daddy are California dreaming. I'll talk with amateur sleep sleuth Tom Keegan about how he conquered insomnia. Anne Kloss Farley and I sing you off to dreamland. And I'll talk a little bit about rethinking your New Year's resolutions in a way that'll give them every chance to succeed. So, here we are. The days are short, the nights are long, the roads are wet and frozen. Sunrise in Los Angeles came at 6.58 this morning, and it sets at 5.08 this afternoon. In between, we expect it to be gray and rainy, just like it has been every single day this year. Our hearts and minds go out to all of you who live in regions where you get a proper winter. We hope the heating unit holds up, that you've got enough food stocked away, and that your internet connection remains robust. As the new year gets underway, we here in the VO Lounge have been looking back and looking forward, as is appropriate this time of year. We've been thinking about what our podcast has become over the last two seasons and how we can best communicate that to you. The original idea for this podcast was to present a live-streamed event from the living room of our home. We planned to do a little show, have a bite to eat, and come back for the screening of a movie. It was meant to be a community affair with stories, songs, conversations, movies, and food. We were planning to call it Live from the Living Room. It wasn't too long after we came up with that that a Prairie Home Companion changed its name to Live From Here. And then the pandemic hit, preventing us from gathering people together at all. We put Live From the Living Room on the back burner while Live From Here ultimately faded away. At the end of 2020, my wife Anne suggested that we resurrect the idea and that's when Live from the Lounge was born. We thought we'd record a few episodes remotely and be ready to go live sometime in early 2021, when vaccines would surely eradicate COVID completely. We made our plans, and God laughed. We pressed on anyway. We're used to derisive laughter from our maker, and we kept the dinner in a movie segment alive in the hope that one day we'd be back in person. But as time went on, we started to recognize what this podcast is really about. It's less about movies and recipes, and more about learning to clock the seasons of the year and the seasons of our lives as they move in a rhythm from birth to growth to withering to death and back to birth again. Once we put our focus on that, it felt like the shows started to really hang together thematically. We also realized that while the lounge adequately refers to the location that this show emanates from, the VO Lounge is the name of my home studio, 
The show wasn't necessarily feeling like a lounge, and that the tag to learn to love to lounge didn't totally express what the show was becoming. It got us thinking. The Rhythms of the Seasons made its way into the first episode back in 2020, and it stuck, along with stories, songs, and conversations, all intuitively designed to, and to learn to love to lounge. I do love a nice alliteration. But this podcast is really about the rhythms of the seasons much more than it is about lounging, which I still firmly believe is the best way to approach life. So from here on, this podcast will be known as The Lounge Presents The Rhythms of the Seasons. You'll still find it coming to you as live from the lounge on your podcast feeds, but as we continue to dream up our future, we'll keep you posted on any changes as they happen. Meanwhile, please enjoy the fruits of winter. Apples, pears, oranges, mandarins, lemons, and limes are all in season. Putting out a colorful basket of fruit is a great way to combat the gray fatigue that sets in this time of year. And stay warm with recipes that feature the rich varieties of winter squashes and hearty stews filled with turnips, leeks, collard greens, and potatoes. And make time to dream. What are you dreaming up for 2023? Imagine how you'll get there. Sit with it. Feel it. Put a log on the fire, grab an extra blanket, and join us as we do a little California dreaming. All the leaves are brown And the sky is gray I've been for a walk On a winter's day I'd be safe and warm If I was in L.A. California dreaming On such a winter's day I stopped into a church I passed along the way
Tom Keegan is one of the most sought-after performance directors for video games. If you've played the new Wolfenstein games or Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, you've heard Tom's work. A main reason for Tom's success is his smart and intuitive approach to working with actors. I was also pleased to discover that Tom has a great wealth of knowledge and experience with sleep and dreaming, and that he brings all of his smarts and intuition to those studies as well. Here's our conversation. I'm pleased to have you, Tom. Uh, I want to spend just a second talking about how this all came about. I'm always aware that January is sort of the midnight of the year um, when we should be resting and hibernating and sleeping. I'm a subscriber to Consumer Reports, and their magazine this month was about sleep and setting up your bedroom to make it more conducive for sleep. Uh, and so I called Consumer Reports, and then I reached out to the Dream Institute at UC Berkeley, which they had quoted in the article. And the dude got back to me and said, um, I'm too busy. I don't answer email. So I put out the word on social media, and then I heard from you. And what a treat that was to, be, to know that I was going to not be talking to a stranger, that I'd be able to talk to someone that I know and someone that I like. Um, and that's just a long-winded way of saying, welcome. I'm, I'm grateful that, that you made the time to, to be here today to talk about what you've learned um, in your life uh, as a self-described amateur sleep sleuth. Thank you. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm an amateur sleep sleuth, and I'm not a professional in any way, but I've had enough of my own sleep issues, and I've done a lot of research about sleep, and I've been successful in treating some of my sleep issues. We should mention before we get started that neither one of us are doctors, and that nothing that you and I talk about here today should be construed as being medical advice of any sort. Right. It's anecdotal. It was, it's kind of like, um, you know, in the, in the nineties, right. When, when around AIDS, right. It was all about, what do you know? You know, what have you learned? Uh, what's good? You know, what, what treats it, right. We we're just sharing information, you know, from the ground. This is just a conversation, um, about, what we know about the science of sleep and the practice of sleep. So I'm curious, when did you start noticing that, that you had trouble sleeping uh, and what were the symptoms? Like you, you know, I'm a voiceover director and, you know, video game director. And I was working on a project during the day. And then I had a second project at night, which was in another time zone. Right, was in Australia and I'm in Los Angeles. So I was working all day and then I had another gig from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. Right. Oh, and it, like, it's just a couple of days, but it involved working with people who weren't professionals. And I, they had written a script for this one guy and he, he couldn't even, he could barely read it, right? And, and he was a musician, right? And so his talent obviously lies elsewhere. And there was so much pressure uh, to get this material. The next, and I had another session with him the next day. And I did a whole shoot. And then I ran home and I literally rewrote the script, knowing what I could get with the guy 
in the two hours between my shoot and this eight o'clock thing. And then it was, it was stress, right? After that, it was like, I couldn't get back into a sleep rhythm. And then it just kept accelerating and I got more and more tense about it until it became, you know, I was, I was sleeping, you know, two or three hours a night. How long did that go on? That went on for months. The interesting thing that I found when I started talking about it to people is how many people suffer from insomnia and how nobody talks about it. Like I, I discovered two very close friends of mine said, I've had it for years, which put the fear of God in me. So one of the great, one of the first things that happened that was so good was that I did go to my doctor who turned me on to a kind of a cognitive behavioral online program called Shut Eye, like shut with a small I. What was brilliant about this program was that it laid out very simple parameters and it said, you can actually get over insomnia, you know, and there were, and there were certain things like one of them was a sleep journal, right? To just start charting, right? What time did you go to bed? What time did you fall asleep? What time did you wake up? How much sleep did you have? And what were the conditions? What did you do before sleep? Did you have alcohol? And then, you know, you watch a little video every day, kind of learning about sleep hygiene. That's what they call it. And what was wonderful about it was they also had little videos of real people of all kinds who just shared about their insomnia and that they did get over it. And just seeing people talking about how they had insomnia and they were able to work with it, it gave me hope. A big thing is setting a routine. You go to bed at the same time every night and you try to, you wake up at the same time. And at that time, I couldn't fall asleep. That was my problem. I could not fall. I'd be really tired. I'd get into bed. I just couldn't fall asleep. And I'd get a wave of sleep. And then I'd get tense about the wave of sleep, right? And I'd be like, I'm falling asleep. I'm falling asleep. And then I'd be, my fear was I've lost the ability to fall asleep. But Which feeds the ability to fall asleep, doesn't it? Because you can't do it. You have to allow sleep, right? It's an unconscious activity. So one thing that a lot of people aren't aware of is that all those little LEDs in your room, the little tiny blinking things that they put on so many things actually have a tremendous amount of light coming out of them. So one thing is to try to make the room as dark as possible, put something over those LEDs. And actually now I sleep with an eye mask. And the other thing that I do is put earplugs, really good earplugs. And earplugs, that's a whole, there's a whole nuance to that because especially the silicone kind, you, you roll them up and you put them in your ear, but you really have to work with getting the right fit. Making that cushion of sound, of silence, and the cushion of darkness is very big for me. Also around light is the whole thing with blue light, which comes from your phone and your computer, and maybe even your TV. So for an hour before bed, 
I wear brown tinted sunglasses. The brown tint filters out the blue light. So I wear these brown tinted sunglasses for an hour before bed and also taking a shower, a hot shower right before bed, a cooling of the body is a part of falling asleep. Mm. I try to shower with as little light as possible in the room so that I'm just preparing my body to go into the sleep state. And then I have a new thing that has really been working for me and I call it, and I know you love the seasons, right? I do. And so, you know how in the middle of winter, especially towards the end of the winter, you look for signs of spring and you see the swollen buds or you find a crocus flower poking out through the snow. I call it signs of sleep. So I don't get, so I try not to excite myself about it. If I have a little wave of tiredness or I have a snippet of a dream, I change my thinking and I think, wow, signs of sleep, just like spring. You see a sign of spring, it might still be winter, but you know it's going to come of its own accord eventually. You have to allow that unconscious process to happen. Yep, absolutely. Do you have any, did you do anything physically to your mattress? Um, Do you have a temperature you like to keep the room at? Um, Do you use any sound or humidifiers or anything like that? I think I think those are really good. Um, I don't use sound because I use earplugs, so I don't right. want any sound. Yeah, you're clocking out the sound. Um, have a big bed, so my spouse is, you know, I have, I have enough room. In the next county. I like, <laughs> <laughs> I like a cool room. I like, I need air. I need cool moving air. If it's too hot, I can't sleep. I'm kicking the covers off. Um, Mattress, I like my mattress, so that has never been an issue, but I know it is for some people. Like I know couples, like our best friend couple, they have mattresses where they each have a separate hardness to the mattress and a separate incline. And, you know, I know that works for people. You also mentioned um, sleep and dream yoga. Can you talk a little bit about that? Most of what I've studied and read actually comes out of a, a, a Buddhist traditions. It is actually using sleep consciously as a way to exercise your mind and your creativity. A lot of it also has to do with lucid dreaming, which is a fascinating thing to explore. Often I'll use dreams to ask questions of my inner self I've had things revealed to me that were incredibly helpful that I couldn't see from my consciousness. But so the first step is to write your dreams down, to work on remembering your dreams. Yeah. And so the first step to that is as soon as you wake up from a dream, write it down. Second step then is making the intention to have a lucid dream. But you have to set yourself up by training yourself with signals when you're awake. So one of the one of the biggest things is to constantly ask yourself during the day, am I asleep or am I dreaming? And then putting a little physicality in it, like jumping up and landing or 
pushing a finger into your palm. If you're dreaming, if you jump up and down, you might float up. If you're dreaming and you push your hand into your palm, your finger might go through your palm. And then there are layers beyond that. I mean, just getting to that, I'm awake in my dream, to me was a, was a big thing. And then I, I was successful at it a few times. Once you're aware that you're dreaming, you can then change, you can explore physicality, and then you can change your shape. Wow. And, but you have to let go of the identity like, I'm just this person. An alternate to that is called clear light yoga. And clear light yoga is just being in the sleep state and consciously entering the sleep state and enjoying the sleep state. And that is better for me. Yeah. I need sleep. I need sleep more than I need to explore. <laughs> I need to change, shift, shift my shape. Yeah. And fly around and yeah, do battle. It's great. I would love to. I, and, and uh, those times when I did have lucid dreams and I was able to change something about the dream, I felt that it really helped me in my waking life feel more empowered to have an effect on situations that I would feel were out of my control. For folks who would like to get a better night's sleep, what are the strategies you found that someone could put into practice tonight to help them sleep better? I think the basic strategy that's worked for me, and I think I, I advise friends to try, is work on establishing regular sleep hygiene, Turn down the lights and get the brown tinted sunglasses, yellow tinted sunglasses for the hour before bed and avoid the blue light. Take a hot shower. Light from your phone, light from the TV. Try not to look at your phone, read the news, <laughs> doom scroll, <laughs> you know, but it's creating an environment for yourself of using an hour to prepare for sleep. And then when you're sleeping, just look for signs of sleep, right? Look, look for the signs. And when you see them, know it's going to happen. Well, Tom, I can't thank you enough for your time today and for, for sharing um, this really valuable research. How's your sleep now? <laughs> right now, I'm actually, I go to bed and I sleep. Even if I surface during the night, I'm able to go right back to sleep and sleep until six, basically. Try to get to bed between 10 and 11, wake up around six. So right now I'm enjoying good sleep and I wish all of your listeners good sleep. Ideally, we spend one third of our lives sleeping. Our sleep lives are just as important as our work lives or our leisure time. I hope this discussion with Tom Keegan gave you lots to think and dream about. All of the resources Tom mentioned, as well as the Consumer Reports article and a link to the Berkeley Center for Sleep Studies, can be found on our website, livefromtheloungepodcast.com. I spent a lot of time researching New Year's stories, but didn't find any I actually liked. Actually, I didn't find many at all. 
So I looked up short stories on dreaming and sleep, and the floodgates opened. I looked at stories from Ernest Hemingway, Roald Dahl, J.D. Salinger, Isaac Asimov, of course, as well as many others. But I felt that this one truly captured the feeling of being in a dream. It's read by Ruby Farley, and it contains scenes that some listeners might find unsettling. It's not a nightmare, not at all. It's just a dream. What I've Been Doing Lately, Jamaica Kincaid What I've been doing lately, I was lying in bed and the doorbell rang. I ran downstairs quick. I opened the door. There was no one there. I stepped outside. Either it was drizzling or there was a lot of dust in the air and the dust was damp. I stuck out my tongue and the drizzle or the damp dust tasted like government school ink. I looked north. I looked south. I decided to start walking north. While walking north, I noticed that I was barefoot. While walking north, I looked up and saw the planet Venus. I said, it must be almost morning. I saw a monkey in a tree. The tree had no leaves. I said, ah, a monkey. Just look at that, a monkey. I walked for I don't know how long before I came up to a big body of water. I wanted to get across it, but I couldn't swim. I wanted to get across it, but it would take me years to build a boat. I wanted to get across it, but it would take me, I didn't know how long, to build a bridge. Years passed, and then one day, feeling like it, I got into my boat and rowed across. When I got to the other side, it was noon, and my shadow was small and fell beneath me. I set out on a path that stretched out straight ahead, I passed a house, and a dog was sitting on the veranda, but it looked the other way when it saw me coming. I passed a boy tossing a ball in the air, but the boy looked the other way when he saw me coming. I walked and I walked, but I couldn't tell if I walked a long time because my feet didn't feel as if they would drop off. I turned around to see what I had left behind me, but nothing was familiar. Instead of the straight path, I saw hills. Instead of the boy with his ball, I saw tall flowering trees. I looked up and the sky was without clouds and seemed near, as if it were the ceiling in my house, and if I stood on a chair, I could touch it with the tips of my fingers. I turned around and looked ahead of me again. A deep hole had opened up before me. I looked in. The hole was deep and dark, and I couldn't see the bottom. I thought... What's down there? So on purpose, I fell in. I fell and I fell over and over as if I were an old suitcase. On the sides of the deep hole, I could see things written, but perhaps it was in a foreign language because I couldn't read them. Still, I fell for I don't know how long. As I fell, I began to see that I didn't like the way falling made me feel. Falling made me feel sick and I missed all the people I had loved. I said, I don't want to fall anymore. And I reversed myself. I was standing again on the edge of the deep hole. I looked at the deep hole and I said, you can close up now. And it did. I walked some more without knowing distance. I only knew that I had passed through days and nights. I only knew that I had passed through rain and shine, light and darkness. I was never thirsty, and I felt no pain. 
Looking at the horizon, I made a joke for myself. I said, "The Earth has thin lips," and I laughed. Looking at the horizon again, I saw a lone figure coming towards me, but I wasn't frightened because I was sure it was my mother. As I got closer to the figure, I could see that it wasn't my mother, but still, I wasn't frightened because I could see that it was a woman. When this woman got closer to me, she looked at me hard, and then she threw up her hands. She must have seen me somewhere before because she said, "It's you. Just look at that. It's you. And just what have you been doing lately?" I could have said, "I've been praying not to grow any taller." I could have said. I've been listening carefully to my mother's words so as to make a good imitation of a dutiful daughter. I could have said, "A pack of dogs, tired from chasing each other all over town, slept in the moonlight." Instead, I said, "What I've been doing lately." I was lying in bed on my back, my hands drawn up, my fingers interlaced lightly at the nape of my neck. Someone rang the doorbell. I went downstairs and opened the door, but there was no one there. I stepped outside. Either it was drizzling, or there was a lot of dust in the air, and the dust was damp. I stuck out my tongue, and the drizzle or the damp dust tasted like government school ink. I looked north, and I looked south. I started walking north. While walking north, I wanted to move fast, so I removed the shoes from my feet. While walking north, I looked up and saw the planet Venus, and I said, "If the sun went out, it would be eight minutes before I would know it." I saw a monkey sitting in a tree that had no leaves, and I said, "A monkey! Just look at that—a monkey!" I picked up a stone and I threw it at the monkey. The monkey, seeing the stone, quickly moved out of its way. Three times I threw a stone at the monkey, and three times it moved away. The fourth time I threw the stone. The monkey caught it and threw it back at me. The stone struck me in my forehead over my right eye, making a deep gash. The gash healed immediately, but now the skin on my forehead felt false to me. I walked for I don't know how long before I came to a big body of water. I wanted to get across, so when the boat came, I paid my fare. When I got to the other side, I saw a lot of people sitting on the beach, and they were having a picnic. They were the most beautiful people I had ever seen. Everything about them was black and shiny. Their skin was black and shiny. Their shoes were black and shiny. Their hair was black and shiny. The clothes they wore were black and shiny. I could hear them laughing and chatting, and I said, "I would like to be with these people." So I started to walk towards them, but when I got up close to them, I saw that they weren't at a picnic, and they weren't beautiful, and they weren't chatting and laughing. All around me was black mud, and the people all looked as if they had been made up out of the black mud. I looked up and saw the sky seemed far away, and nothing I could stand on would make me able to touch it with my fingertips. I thought, if only I could get out of this. So I started to walk. I must have walked for a long time because my feet hurt, and felt as if they would drop off. I thought, 
If only just around the bend, I would see my house, and inside my house, I would find my bed. Freshly made at that. And in the kitchen, I would find my mother, or anyone else that I loved, making me a custard. I thought, if only it was a Sunday, and I was sitting in a church, and I had just heard someone sing a psalm. I felt very sad, so I sat down. I felt so sad that I rested my head on my own knees and smoothed my own head. I felt so sad I couldn't imagine feeling any other way again. I said, I don't like this. I don't want to do this anymore. And I went back to lying in bed, just before the doorbell rang. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. One of the goals we are dreaming up in 2023 is to bring the rhythms of the seasons to a wider audience. We're planning to enter the show for awards consideration. We're approaching podcast platforms to host us, and we're looking for paid partnerships that we can feel good about. Until then, we're still very much a mom-and-pop operation. I'm the pop, Anne is the mom, Ruby is the kid, Double Batch Daddy are my brothers from another mother. In order to keep up with the expenses of bringing this podcast to you, we're asking you to pretend you're here in the lounge with us and that we're passing a hat, or that you bought a ticket to see us all perform live. What would you pay for that ticket? Ten bucks? Twenty-five? You'd certainly expect the VIP treatment with a hundred-dollar ticket, right? Whatever you can afford would be greatly appreciated and will go a long way to keeping the rhythms of the seasons coming to you season in and season out. Head to livefromtheloungepodcast.com. That's livefromtheloungepodcast.com. Hit the donate button and share whatever you can. Thanks in advance for your generosity. for bed. See you in the morning. New Year's Day. This year, I resolved to go to the gym every day, to earn more money and be more kind, to volunteer to serve the hungry and homeless, to lose 25 pounds and train to run a marathon. I know I haven't done an ounce of preparation because the holidays were just so crazy and hectic, but starting tomorrow, or maybe the next day, I am changing my whole life for the better. New year, new me. Sound familiar? Yes, friends, we've turned over the calendar and started our 2023 trip around the sun since we figured out the year Jesus was born, and we're told that the thing to do is to make promises to improve our lives and to get busy accomplishing them as quickly as possible. But let's take a look outside and slow our roll for a minute. 
While the calendar says it's technically the start of a new year, it's actually more similar to midnight, which is technically the start of a new day, or to Sunday, which is technically the start of a new week. But the usual workday doesn't actually start at midnight. The same way the standard work week does not actually start on Sunday. Sunday is meant to be a day of rest. Midnight is meant to be the time when most of us are tucked into bed, sleeping soundly. So why do we insist on adopting new habits this time of year? It's the seasonal equivalent of midnight. It's mostly dark outside. We should be doing the seasonal equivalent of sleeping. We should be laying low, conserving our energy, hibernating as much as possible. After all, the day doesn't really start until the sun comes up, even if it technically started while we were asleep. We rise and face the day and start to get busy sometime between 5 and 8 a.m. for most of us. The day is a quarter to one-third over already, but we don't feel guilty that we didn't do more work overnight. No. We spend the first part of our day resting so that when the sun does come up, we're ready to rise and get busy. If Monday is the start of our work week, even though Sunday is technically the first day, that's one-seventh of our week that's already gone. But we don't beat ourselves up that we weren't more productive over the weekend. We understand that that's how weeks work. We start with a little rest before we get busy. If we apply this logic to our year, We wouldn't expect to take action on our life goals until the year really gets going, sometime between February and mid-March, which, as it happens, is when a lot of traditional New Year's festivals once occurred. For the ancient Babylonians, the first new moon following the vernal equinox, March 21st on our calendar, was New Year's Day. That'd be late March to early April for us. Romulus, who founded Rome, created a calendar with 10 months and 304 days that started in the spring right on that day when the daylight and the nighttime are the same length. As you can imagine, a 304-day year kind of got off track over time. Enter Julius Caesar, for whom the month of July is named, who consulted with astronomers and mathematicians to create the Julian calendar, which is very similar to the one we follow today, and was put into place right about the time we moved from B.C. to A.D. Coincidence? You tell me. It was the medieval Christian leaders, though, who thought that the beginning of the new year should fall either on March 25th, which is the Feast of the Annunciation, which celebrates when Mary supposedly got pregnant, or on Christmas Day, nine months later, when Jesus was supposedly born. Pope Gregory XIII finally settled the score when he decreed that January 1st would be New Year's Day in 1582, and thus was the Gregorian calendar born. And we've been stuck with it ever since. Thanks, Mr. The Thirteenth. The Chinese strike a bit of a middle ground by placing their Lunar New Year celebrations on the second new moon after the winter solstice. The root of the tradition is a celebration of the coming of the spring planting season. Here's a little clip from the Lunar New Year song, Gongji Gongji, which roughly translates to congratulations. In this clip from the verse into the chorus, we hear them sing, The earth 
awakes from winter to spring. Congratulations. 冬天已到尽头，真是好的消息。温暖的春风就要吹醒大地。恭喜恭喜恭喜你呀！恭喜恭喜恭喜你！ The Lunar New Year is a 15-day festival, much like the 12 days of Christmas that finish on January 6th with the Feast of Epiphany. By the end of the Lunar New Year festivities, mid-February to early March, it's time to head into the fields and get busy planting. And then there's no ruse. The festival of the Persian New Year that happens for 13 days in March, right around the wait for it, vernal equinox. Today. Three hundred million people celebrate Nowruz at the beginning of spring. Here's a little clip from Nowruz Serenade, a collection of songs that starts with the sound of horns. A nicely musicalized version of what one might hear at a New Year's party, before it transitions into a joyous holiday tune. Ancient Egyptians waited until the Nile flooded in the middle of the summer to start their new year, but it's important to note that the flooding of the Nile signals the start of the planting season in Egypt. So once again, we see that it's the beginning of the growing season that signals the beginning of each year. I also love that they start their year with a month-long festival of drunkenness. It commemorates how the sun god Ra tricked the goddess Sakhmet, who'd come to destroy humanity, into drinking herself into a stupor. Our Jewish friends celebrate their new year latest in the year in September, and rather than being tied to a beginning, it honors the ending of the year with a period of reflection and repentance that culminates with the observance of Yom Kippur, where you make amends for your mistakes from the past year and go into the new one cleansed and whole. It also involves the playing of a horn. It's called a shofar. It signals the transition from one year to the next. Here's a little sample. So there you have it—a slew of New Year's traditions, and almost all of them decree that the new year actually starts after the winter is over. If it hadn't been for that thirteenth Pope Greg, we might still celebrate the new year in the middle of March, which really is the best time to take action and start new habits. It's fine. To start the calendar new year with an idea of what you'd like to get done over the next 365 days, but instead of throwing yourself headfirst into action, maybe try setting your intentions in the spirit of the quiet calm of winter. 
bundle up and read up on how to train for a marathon. Put a log on the fire and consider what habits you'd like to change. Add a blanket to the bed and make time to dream. Dream up what you want to accomplish this year. Imagine what a dream day might look like for you. Can you make space for work, play, family, friends, and food? How will you feel when you're rested, well-fed, and centered? Just sit with that feeling. The purpose of January is simply to set the goal, not to accomplish it. If you were a farmer, you'd never dream of planting a seed in January. The soil is frozen solid. Instead, you'll wait until the soil is ready to receive the seed and help it grow sometime in the spring. When you're dreaming up your plans this month, it might be wise to take a hint from the Roman god Janus for whom this month is named. Janus is a two-faced god that represents doorways and new beginnings. With two faces, they're able to look forward and backward at the same time. What have you learned from last year's successes and mistakes? How will you go forward in a way that avoids the pitfalls and capitalizes on your strengths? Give thanks for your accomplishments and think about ways you might act differently in the coming year. There's no rush. Here in the midnight of the year, it is good and right to take all the time you want to dream. Is what?
And that's our show. If you like what you hear and you'd like to keep hearing it, we invite you to join Diane from Northridge, California, Heather from Denver, Colorado, and Shadow from Fairlawn, Ohio, in supporting this podcast with a financial donation. Head to livefromtheloungepodcast.com. That's livefromtheloungepodcast.com and hit the donate button. No contribution is too small, and frankly, none is too large. Thanks for your generosity. Here's the who did what. Our podcast is produced by Ann Kloss Farley. Ann also sang, All I Have to Do is Dream. John Ballinger arranged and performed California Dreamin' with our house band, Double Batch Daddy. Ruby Farley performed What I Have Been Doing Lately by Jamaica Kincaid. And special thanks to our amateur sleep sleuth, Tom Keegan. I'm your host, Keith Farley. We'll be back in a month or so with another collection of stories, songs, and conversations, all intuitively designed to help you groove with the rhythms of the seasons.